0: Welcome to the Music Book Club, brought to you by Automatic Panic. In each episode, we choose an album, listen to it, and talk about it. I'm Andy Payne, with me is Azin Khan. Hello. And our guest today is the astounding Ashton
1: Berry. Astounding, hello. (laughs) How are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. Uh, Life is going fine.
0: Hmm. That's um, not as taken for granted as... uh, in other years, so uh, that's good to hear. Today, we are discussing Audio Slave's self titled debut, released in 2002. If you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it now. All right, I think we can assume everyone's up to speed. What do you guys think of this album? Awesome. <laughs>
1: in a nutshell, this is Teenage Years Revived. Yeah. It's been a long time since I, I've sort of sat down and just listened to to one of my favorite teenage albums, and it's been amazing.
2: It gets you straight away. That's the, It has one of the best openers, I think, and um, ah. and, and the video for Crushies is like, I don't know. I think I think the firework budget for that video could probably fund the small country for about ten years. <laughs> like, it's just three minutes and forty-two seconds of pure fireworks literally i'm not even like making making a kind of metaphor here it's just literally them on the top of the building if you haven't seen it you should look you should watch it because it's it's so over the top in ways that music videos just aren't anymore um yeah. because they just don't throw out as much money i guess these days but back then clearly like it was just insane um it puts some you know we just had guy fawkes night here put some of the things that even the more elaborate ones that you see of displays that you see around this time of year here in britain um it puts that like completely to shame i've seen olympic opening ceremonies with less
0: sort
1: of <laughs> <pomp>. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's got to be with everything like like show me how to live it show me how to live is one of those songs where it just punches in as it begins it's one of those songs that you can hear even if it isn't playing
2: yeah uh, and I, I know we normally do this thing at the end but that's my favorite song in this album It show me how to is live it?
1: yeah i'm oh man it's a, it's a tough call uh, cutting right to the end of it but I don't know Shadow on the Sun
2: yeah that's also it's just, really good mm, that, <laughs> I, I, I've,
1: um,
0: I've got Shadow in the Sun there just for the vocal yeah. uh, like progression to the end yeah. um, I, 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 don't I don't mean
2: anything that has Chris Cornell in it the vocals are going to be
1: stellar, stellar. Um, they... 100% I, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie uh, it was a collateral um, is it a Tom Cruise movie um, yeah it's a long story about uh uh it's an assassin busy going around a city at night and he basically hijacks a, a taxi driver. Um and gets him to drive around and, and the soundtrack of the movie is amazing. But the like mm. absolute pinnacle of the movie is is Shadow on the Sun. Um mm. and it just it just I don't know. Shadow on the Sun is actually one I've got a, a driving playlist where um, you know, If I'm doing a long trip back to, to Devon or back, it's a six-hour drive. There's, there's nighttime driving, and Shadow on the Sun is just, for some reason, it's that perfect song for sitting on the M5 just with no other cars, just going, wah. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: it's like, I, I find, in a way, I mean, we've probably explored it more with, say, Soundgarden, but this kind of stuff is almost, it's like modern psychedelia in a way it, it, I don't know I don't know if that's a fair thing to say or if, like with pretty much every episode we've done I'm gonna start getting angry comments from people going what the fuck <laughs> you don't know what, You don't know what you're talking about um, but I, I sort of it, it's not that kind of 60s kind of psychedelia it's 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 definitely updated and at least emotionally I have a very similar kind of feeling or maybe it just goes back to kind of what we were saying in, about songs of the deaf it's a, it's a sort of desert rock thing and it's again throughout the video throughout the aesthetic of of um of this album at least they they, they keep coming back to it. i mean the video for show me how to live is them driving across the desert um for example
1: um, I I haven't actually seen any of the videos, but Desert Rock actually some I don't know why, but for some reason it really does nail it. It's um, or even Desolate Rock. It's it's well, kind
2: I, of it, it's kind of in the
1: yeah in the picture <laughs> in the album cover. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those like very
0: very distinctive album covers because it's such a strong statement piece of artwork.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't say Audio Slave anywhere on it. Really, I mean, on the wow. on the front at least.
1: Well, the, I mean that says something in itself. It, it's it's one of those ones where if you have got the like the, the screensaver, you know, the old Apple screensavers with all the mini album covers on it. It's it's like that one album in the middle. It's <laughs> you know, it's only ten pixels high, but you know exactly. You know exactly what it which is. one it is.
2: But it's ballsy, right? I mean, I know it's a it's a supergroup, and people will know um, people who are in it, and obviously it's put together by Rick Rubin, um, who is a kind of serial alchemist in this regard. He somehow has a way of <laughs> of putting things together that other people might not and creating magic out of it.
0: They were originally going to just, like, wondering whether to keep their name Rage, mm. Mm. Uh, and then uh, they were going to be called Civilian, and then they eventually ended on Audio Slave. Also, right. um, like, a quirk of kind of how record companies used to work. Um, they uh, Chris Cornell left the band, uh, like, before they released their first album, because of a managing dispute between the Rage Against Machine Managers and Chris Cornell's manager. So they both simultaneously fired their managers and got Chris Cornell back in, went to a different management company.
2: That's exactly (laughs) the right thing to do, right? I mean, you have...
0: if people are fighting over your pie, get rid of them and then yeah. give your pie to someone else. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think the record companies, because uh, obviously were both signed to different record companies, they um, then did alternate releases. I think it was Epic and uh, Introspect. I can't remember. In fact, if, uh, Intrastate uh, or whatever. Introscope. Interscope, yeah. Interscope, that's the one, yeah. yeah. So now it uh, seems to be. I think um, the, sec- the second album was released on Epic. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And then probably back for the the third album. Um, I, I have to be. They're all owned I'm, by
2: Sony now. To be honest, probably. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So I, uh, I'm going to give full, uh, full disclosure. This early on, I only listened to this album for the first time yesterday, and, uh, I can, I, I'm, It's one of those ones where I'm really kicking myself that it's taken me this long. Because <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was in uh, getting into music in in the first time, you know, I went and bought the first couple of Rage albums, and they are absolutely stellar within a minute of listening to this mm. I was just like, oh this is just another great <laughs> like uh example of how good uh Morello Cummerford and uh uh Will slightly
1: Clark, less angry band.
0: but just as awesome. Great, yeah ex- exactly. Band. It's the rage has like simmered down to a kind of desolate resentment uh instead of uh the kind of well, huge raging fire. Rage
2: meets the sort of nineties um gravelly voice <laughs> yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to yeah, that's sort of like, like grunge, a but it's a, sort of that despondency
0: yeah of, of grunge like and it's, yeah. it's a really good middle ground yeah um because uh it it allows them to take a from a songwriting perspective i think it um the the thing that instantly hit me was how much space there is for the vocal to lead all the way through hmm. um where and it, it's Obviously, there's, there's there's great guitar work. There's amazing bass work on there as well. And I'll talk about Brad Wilk later. But uh, the um, the vocal is it, such a dominating factor. Nah, absolutely.
2: Chris Cornell is one of those special vocalists who has an incredible amount of range. And I don't mean sort of from high-low to notes, although he has that as well. Um, the dynamic range, I guess, is what I'm going at. Because if you think of mm. songs like I Am The Highway, um, or, or even some of the other ones where... It, like a stone, where it, he brings it down in the song, and sometimes there are other songs where it's just pedal to the metal. And this album is a really good showcase of that dynamic range that he has. Um, I, I
0: really noted the end of Shadow of the Sun, where he's doing this incredible, like, I, I can't, can't oh, believe yeah. voices can be that distorted <laughs> and sound and still sound nice. Mm. Um, and then Within 30 seconds, it's the start of I Am The Highway mm. with this clean, mm. like controlled, oh, it's, it's such a, it's such a, a a gripping shift.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, Especially, uh, it comes but... actually comes on a side change on the vinyl because it's a double album on the vinyl. So it's ah. two, two, um, uh, two discs and Shadow On The Sun is the end of side two on the first disc and the, I Am The Highway is side three. So second <clears> disc, first side.
1: I um, I can still remember Shadow in the Sun as as being a sort of teenager and you're just sitting in your bedroom there trying to uh, singing at the top of your voice and that 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 wobbly bit at the end and <laughs> uh, trying to keep up <laughs> with your voice it's amazing yeah um, um and it's you were sort of describing the, the the album as being emotional earlier on and sort of kicking yourself before hearing it for the first time yesterday uh <laughs> I'm kicking myself because I basically haven't listened to this album in about 10 years and Um, I I, I genuinely got a bit of like an emotional awe I I don't know if it's just (laughs) you're going back to something you absolutely loved as a teenager but um, I don't know there's, there's there's like a whole Story of your life in the album. It 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 has the ups and the downs and it, and everything else that you want. And um, I don't know, just tied to such good memories and also some rough memories. You know, it's it, it's it's one of those good belt albums. Like when you're properly angry with yourself as a teenager, like. <laughs> mm,
0: absolutely, I can I can I can imagine that, and I uh, I think that's for me, like rage was doing that at the time, and it would have been nice to have that bit of uh, to be able to listen and uh, progress. A bit earlier in my uh, my musical listening,
2: mm. but we I mean we were saying um, we're we're finding that a lot of the albums that we've picked for this this run of the show come from this era, and it's it's not it's, it's a really really rich. I don't I don't know if it's because of our respective ages that we were kind of getting into music that at that sort of age. I think I'm a little bit younger than YouTube, so I was probably a little bit earlier on. But even then, that's around the time I started playing guitar um which makes me sound ancient now but um, (laughs) and then you had all this kind of rock music was really mainstream i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean it was there you know when you turn on the radio you could listen to it um just it just feels like that there was a moment if you like and i think it's inspired us all i doubt very much that we're the only people who are kind of inspired by that I, i do think that a lot of these things our function of age in a way um, yeah, of course like if you notice that the music from about i don't know 20 years ago is always in vogue today no matter where what time you're looking at so it's sort of 70s and the early 2000s and then it became the 80s and now it's the 90s and i think it's something to do my, my pet theory is that the people who make decisions about like what songs go into adverts and what songs they put into films are all about middle age now and they they put the songs that they like which are usually from about 20 years ago um I don't know if that's true, but it's it's a little pet theory. Yeah, well, that it's,
0: I it, of course. I mean, that's, that's the way time works, right? Like, yeah, underground exactly. youth culture from uh, your youth is then your kind of touchstone for what you. For, influences all your decisions when you're older. And so yeah. when you're actually, well, you're finally old enough to be making, like, the power decisions as to, yeah. like, right, I'm going to use that for something which <laughs> will go out to thousands of people, then, yeah, suddenly, uh, you know, songs from that era are everywhere. Mm.
2: So. Mm. So, like I said, a lot of this is maybe perhaps a function of age, but I think that even without that, you'll find that things can be timeless in a way. And I think this album is like that. It's it's a bit like you know, and it keeps going back to Rage, as we will, of course, when we're talking about Audio Slave. Um, their stuff is also just it's it's a kind of production values thing. They they're mm. just clean upfront, and it just sounds great. Um, uh-
0: Every um, every single sound on all of Rage's albums and the Audio Slaves albums are made by voice, guitar, bass, and drums. There's no addition. And Tom Morello is is
2: Tom Morello uh, is uh, an absolute Like just <laughs> 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 sometimes I listen G- to her stuff. Um, there's uh, one of my one of my favorite Rage songs is "Know Your Enemy," and the guitar solos in that it's just like, and I was like. What? <laughs> that's, that's a guitar. Yeah. Um, and I've seen Tom Reller sort of explain how he does it, but that doesn't make it. That doesn't make it. That doesn't make me feel better because he's sort of. <laughs> he's not even using pedals half the time. He just has a. He has like a kill switch on his guitar, and he just sort of fret. He sort of plucks the, the kill switch instead of plucking the strings, and or something like this, and it just goes and, it's incredible. Mm. It's it's an awesome amount of creativity using very few little, tools, and I think this is a theme that we've we've seen that limitations create the opportunity to do something new and different in a way that if something is just sort of placed in front of you um and you have you know like a computer and it can do anything it, it's harder to have ideas in a way um and i think that not using that other stuff which is also great i mean like i'm also a big daft punk fan and you could if if um and you can't say that they don't use computers and synthesizers and things like that. That's awesome. <laughs> no, of course, yeah. So of course you can do cool, cool I, stuff. Although their best album was arguably the one that didn't use all that stuff, and they used guitars and drums and <laughs> things like this. Um, it,
1: it, it's funny. I, I'm I'm a complete non-musician. Yeah, you know, I just I just like music. I I have no technical ability in music whatsoever. Daft Punk, Rage, those are the two bands, albums, that whenever I get a new pair of, a pair of headphones or a set of speakers or something, they're my defaults. Yeah. Uh, if, if I want to figure out whether I like the sound of something, it's going to be Rage or Daft Punk. Uh, it's, it's just bizarre that you've named those no, two. No, no, no. Uh, you, you know what? Really <laughs> I'm almost exactly the same. So <laughs> I,
2: I whack on ra- um, Random Access Memories, um, Show Me How to Live, and there are a couple of other tracks. But basically, uh, and I think No Your Enemy is one of the other ones I have a few reference tracks and for me it's the same if, I'm, if I want to gauge how good something sounds I'll uh,
1: it's it's, uh, it's bizarre because uh, it, it really ties into some sort of audio memory thing I, I downloaded uh, Audio Slave through Kazaar and it's it's funny, it, it, if I listen to What You Are, um, hmm. the, there's about 45 seconds in, I can remember there was a time when the RIAA were busy uploading music to Gazaar that had been faked. You know, so they'd take the original track and they'd uh, right. splice it with big spikes of audio in the middle, right, like right. a, a big alarm sound. I still listen to What You Are, and about 45 <laughs> seconds in, I start bracing for this beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's just this audio memory thing, and I'm hardwired now. Uh, 45 <laughs> seconds into What You Are, I start bracing myself. <laughs>
2: just skip it a little bit.
0: <laughs> this is why musicians can, if they are given the intro to a song that they haven't played in 10, 15 years, often you can just pick it up and play through the whole thing again
1: turn this album on for the first time in 10 years and you'd know exactly what song is coming next uh it's actually it's it's an album where listening to it on shelf is a crime uh
2: Mm. (laughs) well i say that about pretty much every album but have you (laughs) all right (laughs) you gotta listen to it in order because the good artists they think about this and they put it in an order that takes you through a journey um
1: as it's i i'm a shuffle fiend um <laughs> right. i'm really bad for it but there are, and, and it's funny actually it, it's probably yeah it's, it's probably only the albums that i i really memorize as a kid um that i'll go back and if it's on shuffle it just it doesn't sound right because there mm. is a story
2: and it's also amazing how like you were saying it becomes a memory even when you're listening so for example when i was a little kid one of the one of the CDs that I had was Queen's Greatest Hits. So that's not an album in sort of a studio album put together but there's an order right and this is what we used to listen to my like, dad used to put it on in the car and whatever so for me that that song order is almost entrenched i expect <laughs> another one by dust after bohemian rhapsody even if even though i'm listening to Night at <laughs> the opera and that, another one by dust isn't on that bohemian rhapsody finishes and i want i'm just like my brain is just waiting for that's <laughs> so just the order it is in the bloody uh, greatest hits thing it really sticks with you yeah i i
1: know I mean, it's interesting I, like were you were you a metalhead as a teenager, and is that one of the reasons why you didn't get into audio slave?
0: Possibly, because I am fairly certain. Uh, how do you pronounce it, Cochise? Cochise, yeah. Cochise. 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 I know. It was, I know. He was a he was a nat- Native American chief, wasn't he? The the last one to die free. But um, let's let's go with uh, Cochise for now. Um, I had that song. It was either a Metal Hammer or a Karang. Uh, sample CD because uh-huh. I used to buy those every week or month, and yeah, at the time I think I was looking for the really heavy stuff on yeah. there, and obviously that that doesn't uh, you know it uh, now it's like it's a, it, obviously awesome hard rock song, but it doesn't really hold a light in heaviness terms, and so I probably would have turned off after a minute.
1: It, it's it's bizarre because Audio slave has almost always been a, a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, the the group of kids I I hung around with with at school were all metalheads, and you know if it, it was all Children of Bodom, Dark <laughs> Tranquillity, so, so yeah, yeah, some, yeah, like proper metal stuff. And I, I, I wasn't quite ever at that level. Um, <laughs> so Order Slave was as close as I could kind of get. Well, no, 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 a bit more than Order Slave, but but it was almost looked down upon by the by the metalheads, and, and it became a yeah. guilty pleasure. Of mine. I I just wonder if that was a thing.
0: So, uh, so I th- I think I found uh, my my niche now. Like I, I now know what metal I don't like. So there's there's a kind of like I know exactly which band is the heaviest limit I can go, and then I've taken my my threshold of how heavy it needs to be way way down. So um, I was going to bring up, uh, for example, Clutch. It's almost like like hearing hearing Audio Slave lets me then see a big link between Rage Against Machine and Clutch. Uh, for example and also queens of the stone age like uh, and they form this like uh, you know you could do a little like like map of how they're linked but it all forms in this kind of like you know deserty midwest kind of you can you can see those those connections in an ecosystem um in a way like a lot of the riffs that tom morello is playing on on audioslave because they're not as um, kind of angry as they are in rage you can hear the the what i would call the bluesy influence mm. Mm, in okay. there, and I, I only started appreciating that, I- appreciating that in my mid twenties.
2: Yeah. I, I definitely characterize Audio Slaves' riffs as being really heavy blues rock. If that makes any sense, it's not the kind of some, some blues rock can be. Is a really, really big sort of casual genre, so it can mean anything from, you know, uh, cream style stuff, which is more maybe jazzy and bluesy, um, mm. to almost like twelve bar type stuff to stuff like this. Um but if you distill the riffs down, they are very much sort of blues rocky minor pentatonics. It's a lot of single note stuff that you could yeah, play on an acoustic guitar in the 1930s and sing over the top <laughs> of and it would be blues. Um, yeah. So but it's just it's just like on steroids, you know, it's he's <laughs> just he's taken it and they've you have that genre, right? You have blues blues rock, but then you add Tom Rello and Chris Cornell and that just becomes something that can branch out into different directions like Andy was saying um I think Andy and I characterize um a band like Clutch for example as being in this like intersection of like rock metal and blues and I think that and it means that a lot of people from those who are generally into those other genres and don't really look elsewhere would still appreciate that and I think Audio live mm-hmm. is similar um mm-hmm in that they're super heavy but it's still bluesy but the vocals are are very i mean his tone is just so i don't know how to describe it really it's 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 not a rasp it's not a scream it's just gnarly (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've I've never this is what compels me so much with chris Cornell. i just can't place it it's just it can be super pure when he wants to be and really beautiful but then when he overdrives his his own voice it's just insane
1: yeah and it's he does it so super, effortlessly. Super like when you listen to it, yeah.
2: it just, it's so effortless, and you just go, "How is he doing that?" Because I, you know, and then I try and sing along, and I'm just like, "No, my mouth. <laughs> 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 I need to talk. to, I need to be able to talk today." Uh, so yeah, it's it's amazing.
1: It's, it's weird because you know, so if you I mean, it came at this part of the conversation from like an angle of rock and uh, sorry, of metal and how this was kind of like heavy rock just underneath that, but actually. The the album is so full of ambience as well. Um, mm. I mean, there there are songs in there like I was the "I'm the Highway," where it's just at the beginning, it's it's like ghost music almost. You know, it's it's just proper ambience, just it's it's actually quiet. it's almost
2: it's it's almost evocative of some of sort of Chili Pepper's stuff.
1: Well, I was going to say "I'm the Highway." I listened to the beginning of that. I can't remember which Chili song it is, but I like. Is this about to break into
0: <laughs> Brad Wilk? The drummer i i could learn a lot from him uh and this is not the first time i've thought it but uh, i'm getting close towards that point where i understand uh how good he is at not overplaying and um basically his his commitment to getting the best drum sound and the right uh groove for whatever the guitars and vocals are doing without playing loads of fills over the top or too many crash cymbals or anything is his his commitment to that is second to none in uh I, I can't think of another drummer who who um undersells what they can do so mm. so brilliantly and you listen to it like every snare hit is absolutely nailed mm. and the bass drum is huge every single time he's never playing the cymbals too hard and it always sounds incredible and you can because he then allows the guitars and the vocals to do their thing, you can easily lose how good a drummer he has to be in order to facilitate the rest of them doing their stuff. Mm. That is what a drum kit should sound like.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I use, I, guess, I use some of the tracks from this album when I'm mixing as sort of references, and it's always mm. just like switching back. You're like, ah, it doesn't quite sound the same. <laughs> no, it's-, <laughs> it's really hard to get up to that level. Everything on this album, every, like Andy was saying, everything is not just clear everything is massive like it's just the bass sound is huge the the guitar sounds are huge the vocal is always up front somehow in amongst all of that and it's and it's just like i think it's a lot of this stuff is less to do with how you might mix it or even record it it's just to do with the raw tones that are coming out of the drum kit the bass amps the guitar Mm. amps and the Um, quality of
0: the performance and the
2: quality of the performance and i i mean i could talk for days about tom rallis i'm like really really like reining it in (laughs) (laughs) because the guy is an absolute just you know i've i've I've, there's the music that he's written and producing it's there on the thing but you can also if you just hear him noodling around it's just you just sort of sit there gobsmacked you just don't want to touch a guitar after after listening to well you do but you also like you pick it up and you go yeah okay i never gonna, w- i never want to play, play and, guitar and... in front of anyone yeah again. exactly you want to try what he's doing <laughs> but never perform because
0: you're never going to be that good
2: <laughs> yeah exactly it's just so um and, and i touched upon it earlier it's just so creative and that's what that's what i love about his his stuff he, he knows he can obviously write a really good rock riff we know that right there's ample evidence for the last over the last 30 years that he's really good at that um but he's also very creative with the lead lines that he that he writes they're always very um this is something i i say when about all guitarists whose sort of lead work i admire is very musical um in the same way that that um and you're saying about the drums the the guitar lines are always part of the song you know sometimes you can and th- that's the best kind of guitar hero in my opinion because you can get some guys who just take over the whole song and now there's a guitar solo and it draws attention to itself away from the atmosphere, away from the uh, emotions of the song itself. Um, But the very best guitarists are better musicians than that, if that makes any sense. You never leave the song sort of from where you sit in your head, um, even if he's doing something completely ridiculous um, (laughs) and insane. um, The virtuosity always sits inside the song and that i think that's that's rare um there aren't that many people who do that and, and all of them are special <laughs> and even uh chris cornell gets in into the into the bit of the wackery where um at the end of show me how to live he does that strange like throat thing where i don't know what exactly he's doing he's like sort of flicking it i think <laughs> and creating this it. like ah, kind of. <laughs> i can't do it so <laughs> um and uh but again, it somehow sort of fits. And like I was saying about, about it being deserty, at least, that kind of vocal tone fits in the genre, to my mind I, at least. I, I, th- I
1: think anyone who's, who's listening to this who doesn't have a handy desert, you know, just get, <laughs> get in your car late at night, find a motorway or a highway near you. And put shadow and the sun on, and you feel like it's a desert. I, I don't know. It it mm. just really does make you feel like there's nothing else around you, and it's it, it's it's interesting. of uh, describing how how loud and 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 strong everything is in the album, I I almost come at it from a, a different side. It's it's that that ambient stuff at the beginning, or in, in mm. some cases at the mm. end of this. The the album like switches from one extreme to the other, and it's absolutely stunning and i i'm again not a musician but for me the, it's the drumming that somehow manages to connect, connect it all. again show um shadow on the sun you've got that really ambience and then the the drum just kicks in and it builds and builds and builds mm. uh, it's awesome i absolutely love it
0: i think one of the triumphs of this album is actually how all the musicians um uh, contribute to that that sense of the Uh, the lift and the fall i wrote this about um chris cornell particularly about how he commands the energy um Mm. in in the whole thing uh like his his jumps up to the the chorus kind of emotional level uh is notable in so many songs and then on a couple of songs he deliberately actually goes for a clean vocal in the chorus uh to to show that they can do the opposite as well it's not Mm. a one trick Mm. uh thing i was i also had the thought that uh It's really, really lucky for everyone listening out there that Chris Cornell wasn't prolific in the 80s because if he'd been in a hair metal band <laughs> or glam rock, like because you can hear it, it's, he's, it's he's um, a bit young um, for it, I think. Ha- but
2: yeah,
0: no, that, that's what I, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> with you know, it's, it's really good for us that he was actually in like grunge and mm. the kind of post uh, grunge and, yeah. and hard rock revival sort of thing. Because you listen to it, and uh, well, Aerosmith, the, the vocal sound is not that.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, I'm very, I'm very happy he didn't, because I uh, that's that's my least favorite uh, phase of music, right. I think. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I get that. Um, and it's, I, I agree that it, he was definitely be- put, uh, better use, if only, I guess for too, sh- too short a time. You know, we we can talk about it. But it's, yeah. it's a real, oh, I mean, all, all deaths, especially by suicide, are tragedies. Um, so it's, it, it's really sad that he couldn't live with whatever was going on in his head and, uh and it's, it's something that we should talk about more i think uh it's just as a no i don't mean us just the three of us i mean uh, i just mean is something you need to tell us uh, that, No, but, but uh just as a society you know and uh no you
0: you're right it's um it's suicide is the biggest killer of men between what is it thirty and fifty or something like that it's uh in in uh, the uk i think hmm. uh in particular and you're right it's definitely something which needs to be talked about more um and it's where uh it's where feminism is very important for people to to understand in that it is about uh being able to talk about these kind of things it's yeah. uh it's not against men it's against patriarchy so yeah. it um, doesn't make you less of like a man this-
2: to admit that well, yeah, wrong. exactly. And
0: this whole concept of like being a man and what that entails is so damaging to so many yeah, people that, that they that can't can happen, yeah. get help with this kind of yeah, thing.
2: Yeah, and um, and even if it's not especially that, for whatever reason, people feel they they it becomes a prison for them for whatever reason, and they can't um, they can't escape it to try and get help. I'm glad he he was able to. But it sounds to use for at least as long as he did, is what I'm saying. Because it it does, his vocals in particular they do, and they inspire me a lot. Like I've when I when we were when we were doing these when we were trying to decide which albums to include in this in this podcast, I was sort of racking my brains about what has been an influence. And while I always love this album, and obviously other others by Audio Slava and Chris Cornell and Rage Against the Machine. I realized that a lot of the time, the vocal lines that I try and write in our own music or another music that I've written, I could sort of think back and think, actually, this is something that in my head I would have thought, what would Chris Cornell do? Um, <laughs> and try and emulate that to, to a certain degree, like adding like little mo- major thirds where they don't seem to belong and creating those kind of lines. I found that I, I started doing that and I hadn't really directly attributed that influence um but it was when i was when we were thinking about which which albums to pick for this i realized that it's been a massive influence for me personally uh well, not that i sound like him but i wish i did
1: i have a probably a, a, a pretty unique perspective on on your lyrics given a reason that's our season post <laughs> you tell us about that go on uh uh, recently, um, Automatic Panic did a a live stream, and um, you know, as part of the, the the donation ticker along the side of it, one of the things that you could get was, was some of the lyrics from from one of the songs, you know, some handwritten lyrics sent to your door. So I, I donated, and uh, a while later, this this unmarked envelope arrived through the door, and, um, and the postman sort of knocks on the door and says, you know. I've, it was one of those envelopes that says, "Please do not bend it." It's the kind of thing that you get your uh, your university degree in, <laughs> and um, yeah, they said, "I don't want to bend your certificate," and sort of hands it over to me. And I'm busy going, "Okay, what what did I order?" Um, go back, sit at my desk, and open open this thing up, and just put out three pieces of really nice paper with all of these handwritten. It's poetry. That's all I can describe it. I <laughs> I read it as a poem, and um, I was just looking at these lyrics, going. <laughs> who did I who, who is this <laughs> I, I, just, I never I printed my I, I signed get, it as well it was just a signature the, I, I don't know your signature <laughs> there was, there's no business card saying who it came from or anything my 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 girlfriend's was sleeping upstairs and I'm reading his lyrics going oh god God, who did I piss off? You know, Which, ones, which one of my exes has come back? <laughs> like, I, I just cannot get you out of my mind. It's like, whoa. Uh, anyway, it, it took a while and then it just all clicked. But um, <laughs> I, uh, speaking of someone who, who, who's maybe had a slightly unique perspective at coming at your lyrics from a completely fresh space, completely not connecting with the band or anything, it's absolutely haunting, dude. Um, <laughs> the, 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 it definitely evoked emotion in me. Um, well, for, good, for I, about two hours yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad
2: <laughs> um, so
0: yeah Listen, I, we should use this as a marketing strategy just like uh, send handwritten lyrics to random people <laughs> we think might like our music and then see how long it takes for them to work out what's going on
1: Oh, I, I think so uh, it it definitely worked I mean y- you guys would have got a couple of X reviews from me busy searching lyrics and then actually remembering ah this is where it came from <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hysterical! Yeah, I probably should have included a postcard or something. <laughs> a sticker yeah. of the band. I'll just chuck it in there. Yep, done. Um, I also sent one to to Andy's fiancee, Christiana, and what, what what did she say? I think at some at first she she had no idea it was coming as well, um, and thought it was like a letter from Hogwarts or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is there anything that we want to say about
1: Audio Slave that we haven't?
2: Um, unless you have another couple of days, <laughs> um, no.
1: Listen to Art of Exile. If if you liked the debut album, mm. Art of Exile is amazing. Um, mm. uh, there are a couple of tracks. I, I I don't know how popular they were back in the day. Um, the The Worm, Man or Animal, um, The Curse. Uh, I've you know if, if sort of look at uh, you know so on Spotify you've got the like little popularity ranking, they're they're not up there. Yeah, you know, they, they they aren't ranking. Yeah, I think like a stone are, is the number they one. They are s- songs. Um, mm. you, you you they are just they, they, In fact, if if you're an adult listening to this and you haven't taken a while out to to listen to a couple of songs, "Audio Slave" and "Out of Exile," uh, give "Out of Exile" a go.
0: So I know we talked about it right at the beginning. I can't remember if we all decided uh, favorite song.
1: Ah. Oh, uh, it made me panic uh, because you know, that, that was only announced during this whole thing. I've been trying to think in the background. <laughs> I and it, it's it's maybe a cop out answer, Central but it films. really depends on mood. Um I, I I mean probably the song that I play the most on this album is Shadow on the Sun. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, you know, it's it's on on a a late late night dri- driving playlist and it just captures that mood that I've talked about a couple of times. Yeah. Mm. Show me how to live is just amazing. <laughs> um, set it off, what you are? Uh, it's probably <laughs> Shadow on the Sun with Show me how to live being a really right. really close second.
2: Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, we 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 spring it on everybody. That's why it's like uh, it's. I don't want people to think about it too much. I don't either. I didn't decide which one yeah. was my favorite until now. Although in this album, I think I knew. I just sort of looked at the list and I was like, "Show me how to live." Mm. <laughs> just I, had,
0: uh, uh, I I wrote down "Shadow on the Sun," closely followed by uh, "Show Me How to Live." Okay. so we're we're, we're quite uh, in accordance too. there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, show me how to live. Is pretty damn good. Yeah, oh. it,
2: it, it for me the. You know, we talked about how the album has range and dynamic range in where the songs go, but I feel like Show Me How to Live itself is really big and small in different places. You know, it has a fairly, mm. you know, you have Koshisa at the beginning, which is just sort of, ne- apart from the intro, which sort of builds up. After that, it's pretty much just, you know, pedal to the metal. And then Show Me How to Live, it takes the foot off a little bit because it comes in with that kind of slightly more chilled, um the riff and the vocals are um they're not so driven and it's much lower and it's it's a bit cleaner but then it goes into the chorus, and that <laughs> chorus is just like, oh, is this the cure, or is this the disease? And it's just like... Then,
0: oh, that's a good line. Yeah. 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 And then <laughs>
2: nail in... And then he does the whole Frankenstein thing, nail in... I always thought it was nail in my head, but then I looked at the lyrics and it was nail in my hand, and I kind of... I always thought it was the nail in my head, I, In my, but <laughs> it was the Frankenstein thing. <laughs> uh, and then I looked at the lyrics when, I was, when we were listening t- to this for... for for this and i was like oh it's hand i don't, I don't know if i understand that anymore because <laughs> i always thought it was frankenstein's monster singing back to frankenstein or at least that was a sort of loose theme to it it yeah. still is you know from my creator you gave me life now show me how to live um,
0: sounds like a jesus thing no it could be yeah exactly it, talking it, it could, to god
2: yeah exactly mm. um so it Daniel. works on that level as well and I, th- this is the kind of lyric i like um so this is definitely my favorite song. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, uh, Ashton. Anything you want to plug?
1: Well, uh anything I want to plug? Um, no, I, am I, I, probably the the Antichrist. If we're talking in religious terms, to to one of the things that you guys want, which is is digital interaction, <laughs> I'm very much very much the opposite to that uh, i i try to keep offline as as much as possible uh keep on offline as much as possible but um if there's one thing i've i've picked up from from this past hour or so it's i'm actually going to take out a bit more time i think and and just listen to some albums that i absolutely love with with nothing else going on just yeah. like tr- try fit less into my life but actually enjoy that bit of it a bit more so if that's what i'm going to plug is listen to some albums by themselves
2: Right on. Um, I totally agree with that.
1: Mm. Uh, it's it's been really awesome. Uh, uh, it it, it yeah, you know, coming on as as a guest for this and and just actually being given the you know the the task almost of of just of listening to something that you really love. So so thank you very much, guys. That that, that was awesome.
0: Oh, it's been great having you on. Oh,
2: the pleasure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We
0: uh, may get you back for Daft Punk because uh, <laughs> I mean it'll definitely be in uh, next season or the one after that for sure. Yeah, yeah right. Well, you, you, you probably
1: need the video for that for the dance moves in the background. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, as in anything uh, we're plugging um, at the moment?
2: At the moment, I think it's the same as what we did last time. So, so we every week, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a. Uh, some more of that live stream coming out in video might be
0: out by the time you hear this already so go and check it out and uh, we will see you all next time, bye bye, cheers
2: it's, it's earlier on and it's all in the Beatlemania phase and they go ah, oh, um, you know who's your favourite girl, you know out of all these girls and then uh, John goes, my wife and everybody sort of goes, okay, fine, fine, fine. George, who's your favorite girl? John's wife.
1: <laughs> 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 uh, you know, they were super witty, so I can believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh.